Welcome into the ATL Day Ones podcast, and I am Jarvis Davis. Hey, I'm Tanitra Batiste. And we are here with you back for on a good Monday. Had a good sports weekend. Yeah. And we are, I don't know about you, T, but I am fired up and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty exciting weekend locally and nationally. So, yeah, let's get into it. All right, let's do it. We got the Atlanta Hawks. They go out and get a win against the Brooklyn Nets. 122 to 115. But before we get into that, let me tell you about Bet Online. After about months of playing, college basketball had determined their top two teams. This um, and they will be playing tonight. Yes. Kansas versus the North, North Carolina. Carolina. I know your people, your people. Hey, Law, look, Tanitra is excited. You can see she's glowing, and she is excited about Bet Online as well because her team is playing in it. Now she might not put a bet down. But you definitely can and go ahead and go to betonline.net. It is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from the latest odds, contests, and player prop. You name it. This is going to be a big one tonight. So make sure you put a bet on it because Hubert Davis, first year as a head coach at North Carolina, and Bill Self. We all know what Kansas brings to the table. They got some dynamic guards. They're going to be trying to drop some points. And, and put North, take North Carolina out. But as you can see, Tanisha's going to continue to smile, you know, because that's not going to happen. <laughs> and it is not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Make sure you head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about trends and action. BetOnline, where the games starts. Tanitra, Trey Young, you were in State Farm Arena. I know you can speak to this a little bit more because I was sitting at home watching it. What about that atmosphere at, uh, on Saturday night? Well, how was it? What's the atmosphere was like in, in State Farm Arena? You know, I started both my pregame analysis and halftime analysis with the same layout, essentially, which was these two teams basically came into this space it was going to feel and look like playoff or postseason ba basketball. And it did not disappoint. It, it was just amazing wire to wire. Both of those teams were ready. They had their best players in the spotlight, ready to take the stage. It was just, it was an, a, first of all, an amazing atmosphere, you know, it's ATL. So everybody yes. came with their a game. Um, <laughs> yes, everybody brought their a game, which was amazing. The stars were out. That was phen phenomenal. It was of course, um, Quavo night, it was his birthday, so that, that was pretty cool as well. But yeah, what I really liked about the game, particularly the Hawks game, the, the, their play and their intent from start to finish. So it started out a little scary because Brooklyn jumped out to a 9-2 lead and it's like, oh gosh, you know, is KD just going to get what he wants all night? But what I liked is as you watched in that first and second quarter, and my thought was really, of course, you don't want KD to get what whatever he wants. You don't want Kyrie to be able to get in a rhythm and really facilitate or dictate the flow of that game. The one thing that the Hawks did that were, was outstanding to me in that first quarter from a defensive side, we can talk offense in a minute, but from the defensive side was they kept battling until they started matching the Nets 
on the boards. So not giving the Nets opportunities for second chance points. That's how they were able to really, really close out and go into halftime with a 15 point lead. And also being able to just affect KD shots in that second quarter. Because remember, he goes into the second quarter with about 12, 14 points and he goes into halftime with only about 22, 24. So they were able to at least affect his shots and shout out to Nate McMillan for constantly switching who was guarding Kyrie Irving because Kevin Herter gave him some fits at times. Uh, TLC gave him some fits at times, but shout out to the ultimate DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright has been coming in game after game after game for the bench mob and really giving backcourt fits, really giving the backcourt fits. And he was one of the main reasons that they were able to for the vast majority of that game to keep Kyrie in check. So yeah, let, let KD get his 55, but if you can at least, contain Kyrie Irving and everybody else is in check as far as their starters. That's how you win games. That's how you win big games and big moments like that. And when you think about it, that second unit was really kind of the unit that started to run, right? Because, <laughs> right. You know, DeLon Wright is a guy that, you know, he's kind of been up and down yes. throughout the season. And, he, and, you know, there are times where DeLon Wright just doesn't look like he belongs, but as of late, he's been that guy. He's been the guy, especially – defensively and you know the Hawks we've all prayed and and, and hoped and, and believed that you know somebody who's going to take defense seriously and I think he's one of those guys and just for him the way being active and having those active hands and you start yes. to see once he one person starts doing it a guy like right you start to see everybody else start doing it you start to see get Trey Young getting in there and sticking his hand in there and guys just going after basketballs and, and, yes. and crashing the offensive boards. And, and, and can I go ahead and get Clint Capella another uh, shout oh, out? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. he has continued to just look healthy. Yes. I know that's a simple statement, but for him, it means a lot because we know that Clint has not been himself this year, you yeah. know, overall, but mm -hmm. you, you're starting to really see him kind of coming to his own and being that guy that the Atlanta Hawks play, paid or to come here, yes. you know, get that, get that contract traded for and, you know, gave him a, a contract extension afterwards. So, and I just really just like the flow of the game. Like you said, defensively, I, I think it was yeah. just something that just really just got on. It, it kind of really touched my soul a little bit because, you know, oh, he, yeah, he's guy, but, you know, I, I really value that, you know, that side of the ball. So for those guys to really just, use that as a tool to to not only you know establish themselves in the game mm -hmm. but to you know get that lead in that second quarter yes and i really think that was something that was just really big for the hawks that was huge and you made a, a great comment and we we were kind of bantering around with this question and, and i definitely want to get on that because i think it's a great question about trey and whether or not he's really kind of learned to play with the guys around him but i wanted to at least co-sign on clint uh, before we kind of switch gears to Trey and, and also give a little shout out to some other members of the bench mob because it was truly a mob effect. It was not yes. one guy. It was that whole yes. bench that just said, oh, I'm up. Great. Bet. 
um, or even the guys who were inserted into the starting lineup, like a TLC, who's normally coming from the bench and being able to just give you some quality minutes at this point in the season, when JC is still probably not going to be in for the playing round, you hope that you get him if you get to the first round, but you need guys like TLC to give you quality minutes in the start. You need Gallinari to give you quality minutes off the bench. And there were a couple things that I saw that I liked as well. CC going back to him. Another thing that he's starting to do is go in with authority. CC was having so much trouble, maybe like five, six, seven games back with those point blank shots. This time, he's not trying to just lay it in or trying to tip it in. He is dunking. He is right. slamming. He is turning around and looking and saying like, okay, I'm going to slam this thing, and then I'm going to get back on defense so that you can't set up in case you don't hit your three-pointer or your mid-range jumper. I'm still going to be right under the basket, ready to get it back to my team so that they can go back and, and make it make you pay for not being able to hit that shot. Just the, the quickness, like you said, because – his, uh, his biggest ability is the availability in all his fullness. So that, I think, has been huge, seeing him kind of go in with authority when he's under the basket. CeCe was even making free throws Saturday night. Let's not act like when you look at the, the, the box score, let's not act like those making those free throws at critical moments don't count because it does. And then also we got to give credit to Nate McMillan for knowing when to make the switches because in the second quarter at the beginning, when the starters were a little bit challenged with getting their offense going instant offense, bogey comes in hits and it's like, boom, we're on instant offense from Gallo. And then like you said, instant defense from DeLon, but the question still comes back to going back to the beginning of the game. When Trey's shot wasn't falling, mm -hmm. he is starting to get that instinct. His court vision is just getting better and better. I mean, he was no looking folks all in the first and second quarter saying, oh, you, I might take the shot, but you don't know. No, you don't know. You don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to take the shot. I mean, it was just amazing <laughs> to see because that speaks to that maturity, that growth, that development of knowing who is around you how to get them started. You know you got to get Kev Herter out of the gate. You got to get him going with his shot early. Okay, that's yeah. how you get him going. Knowing who's on that court with you and what gets them jump started. Yes, Trey is, that's where his real impact is. Not necessarily in the games where he's scoring 40 and 45 points. Really, it's more about looking at his assist to turnover ratio because the assist is telling the assists are telling me you've got good ball movement and balance scoring. And the turnovers are telling me that you are being smart when you got to get the ba the basketball out of your hand. You're getting it out quickly and efficiently. And you know what? And I think all of that, what you just said, like I if I could just sum it up in a few words, Trey Young has confidence in his teammates, right? Because, you know, TLC wasn't there um, last year. Mm -hmm. um, DeLon Wright wasn't there last right. year. And he's had to build trust with those guys because at the end of the day, yeah, Trey can go for 40. And, you know, every night if he wants to, mm -hmm. or at least attempt to. Right. But he knows what, as far as this team for this 2020, I mean, 2022, 2021-22 season, he needs to be able to get those guys involved. And I think he's learned how to do that. Yes. Because those guys are playing better, right? Yes. And those guys are available and they're playing better. So for him to be able to, and for example, like he, um, Trey had passed the ball to um, TLC. Mm -hmm. He shot an air ball. Yes. And probably about a couple of um, um, uh, situations later, mm -hmm. he found him in the corner right there. And CLC yes. right there, right on cue. He hit the three-pointer right there out of the corner. So I think that for 
the those guys to continue to play like they're playing, right? We talk about how those guys are are key factors. Yes. I think the, the big factor though is that they're building more equity with Trey Young as a player and, and as a distributor because Trey Young, the distributor, I could probably make a solid case for him being more dangerous when he's done when he does that. Oh, yeah. no question. I no think question. that that is something that can be really dangerous, especially going into the playoffs. Yes. But you know, um, but you know, we'll see how the Hawks, how these things play out. Um, and the because Atlanta Hawks currently said the AC. Yes. But coming up next, the Braves are dealing with a little injury issue with our, with, with with one of their big time relievers. We'll talk about that and whether or not that's going to have an effect on the Braves trying to repeat as World Series champions. That's next on ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the ATL Day One Show, the podcast. I am Tanitra. He is Jarvis. And we are here for the Locked On Sports Atlanta Podcast Network. So you want to check us out? You want to check out the entire network for Atlanta? Then you can check us out on any and all audio platforms. But you can also check us out on YouTube. So go ahead and follow us on YouTube. Give us a like. And of course, subscribe to our channel. We appreciate you as always rocking with us and coming back with us today. Now, Jarvis and I are going to talk Braves. There was a little bit of a setback possibly on Saturday to the Braves' amazing bullpen, one of the best, if not the best, in Major League Baseball. But the question is, are we concerned or do we have trust in Double A that he is going to still get this done? Or has he still set the Braves up for success by being proactive in the offseason about bolstering the bullpen? But first, let's talk a little bit about our health and wellness. And that starts with the built-in bar. You guys know that I love talking about health and wellness because, listen, I'm all about this. I'm on that jumbotron every home game for the Atlanta Hawks. And it's nothing like being slim and trim versus jumbo on the jumbotron. So, <laughs> how do I do that? I basically stick to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bars. It almost feels like to me, it's not really a resolution because I really do like eating them. So we talk about the puffs and whether or not you like those. Those are the best selling bars. So you should check that out. Also, this whole concept of the protein infused marshmallow, we're talking about fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just protein bars. It's a treat. I mean, you'd love enjoying, you'd love eating that, especially if you are a chocolate fan. Now me, I'm a white chocolate fan, and that's a good look as well because they actually have a white chocolate bar. I love it. And also, these bars are low calorie. They are high protein. You can replace your candy bar because this is better for you. So that's really what you should think about. Think about your health and think about still being able to enjoy the ride while you get on the health train and go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED. 15 and get your 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Now, Jarvis, we are yeah. talking about building in a different way. The right. Braves, of course, are looking to build on that 2021 World Series championship that they brought back home to the ATL. Yeah. So Alex Anthopoulos, the GM of this amazing team has been working diligently to make sure that he shored up the bullpen, not just 
for another run to hopefully a second World Series, but also just knowing that he wanted on opening day to feel confident that from the one spot, from opening day starter Max Fried all the way through that rotation, that there was quality there. And mm -hmm. so we look at this past Saturday, and one of the relievers who really, really shored up that bullpen, uh, they call themselves the, the, themselves the night shift. He was a critical component to the night shift in last, last year's postseason run, Luke Jackson. And yes. unfortunately thought he had tennis elbow, thought it was something that maybe he'd be able to shake off. But it looks like it may be a UCL, an ulnar cruciate ligament tear that may take him out. We don't know yet. Still awaiting that final final word from Braves, but multiple reporters and insiders have stated that it looks like it could lead to Tommy John surgery that would take him out for the entire year. Now, we hope for the positive. Maybe he'll come back sometime this year and be able to contribute. But the question really is, let's say that's best case scenario. He comes back. What about worst case scenario, Jarvis? What if we don't get Luke Jackson back this year for that pitching staff. Are you con concerned? Are you confident that the Braves can still move forward? I am I'm super confident because like you said, I think that Alex Anthopoulos is a guy that is he's the best general manager that the Falcons. I mean, I'm sorry from the Falcons. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, we know we think Falcons, we think United, we think Hawks, we think all those When you think about just a guy that has been a, a, a wizard, uh, um, a, a sniper, when yes. Going, yes. Uh, having a sniper type mentality when going out and getting people and, and targeting people and, and going and getting what he needs. When, mm -hmm. when you go out to get a guy like Olsen, Yes. You know, when he knew that Freddie Freeman wasn't going to be an option anymore and and having that kind of shrewdness about him. Mm -hmm. And I, I absolutely love that because here's the thing, you know, we can get into all our thoughts and feels about what it what it what it is for the team and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and him being a hometown guy. And as far as being with this team for so long since mm -hmm. the beginning of day one and Freddie Freeman, I get that part of it. But. There's also the business side of this thing yeah, where yeah. you got to say, hey, if these are your demands for a contract, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, that's I understand where you're coming from. And, and I think that you can get that somewhere else, but you're not going to be able to get that here. Yeah. And for him to go ahead and pull that trade off with the Oakland A's, I think mm -hmm. that was just, it just speaks to the type of mindset this man mm -hmm. has. And I think that, you know, he's going to apply that same mindset mentality to this issue, right? You, know, you have Colin McHugh, who mm -hmm. you know, for the Braves, who's a writing um, mm -hmm. that they signed, and a lot of people didn't think that was going to go down, but he was able to pull that off yes. before this whole thing went down. So mm -hmm. I think he can kind of step into Luke Jackson's role and maybe, you know, potentially go out and go see what's on the market for another right-handed reliever. Mm -hmm. You know, he'll probably make some phone calls. I'm I'm sure he's already made phone calls. You know, calls. right. How he works, right? Yes. A has been that guy to just mm -hmm. have the foresight to just know here's exactly what's about to go down. Yes. Uh, oh, here's what could go down. Yeah. Okay. Here's my list. And, and just in case this guy get hurt, or here's mm -hmm. my list of guys that I want to take a look at or call about if this guy gets hurt. And yes. I, and I just, he's just so prepared. Mm -hmm. He's the total opposite of the Falcons. What's going on with the Falcons organization right now, seemingly. Um, and so I think that. You know, the way he's able to operate with this 
full salary cap who nobody seems to know right. what that number is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the only thing you can way you can guess is that that it's the number that they end up with at mm-hmm. the end of each season. Like, okay, yeah, this is how they operate between this number and such and such. They're gonna be midway, a mid-level team as far as you know, mm-hmm. speaking. So yeah, this is how they yeah. operate. And I think for right. him to be able to operate under those conditions, I there are no doubt in my mind that Alex Anthopoulos is gonna be able to work through this. And I think that the Braves are going to be good for it, not only this year, but going forward in the future. Yeah. And you think about not just, as you mentioned, Colin McHugh, but you think about uh, Kenley Jansen and going out and getting him as a closer. You also think about the fact that they should get Kirby Yates back around maybe the August timeframe, maybe September, just in time for a final push to the postseason. So that's Mm -hmm. encouraging. And don't forget, the rest of the night shift is still intact. So when you start talking about, you know, um, a Tyler Matzik or an AJ Mentor, you still got guns. You still got yes. guns. So that's the encouraging thing. And one thing that you mentioned as well, that Alex Anthopoulos is always thinking ahead. So I can see, like you said, he was probably on those lines Saturday, the minute that they even thought Tommy John was a possibility for Luke Jackson to make sure that, he knew who was out there, who was available, what kind of dollars is he working with? That there's is there someone out there that he can maybe sign for a one-year deal, if you will, because he's been great at, at getting those guys for those one-year prove-it deals. And it has worked out. You think about a Charlie Morton, for example, or those short-term deals that have really worked out in their favor. So again, you look at what Alex Anthopoulos's record has been even dating back to as recently as the middle of last season, where they were up, down, up, down, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. And then all of a sudden he goes out and makes moves like for the likes of uh, Eddie Rosario, for example, and some of the moves. Lair, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you look at that and, and all of a sudden they start looking like, and then they when they begin to round into form, late July, early August, September, perfect timing for the Braves to go on the run that they went on. So excited. I'm like you. I'm not concerned. I'm confident that Alex Anthopoulos is going to do what he needs to do to put the Braves in position to make a legitimate run for back-to-back pennants. So speaking of legitimate runs to a championship (laughs) or a title, when we come back, we're going to talk about a team that nobody was really talking about in the beginning of the season that now is the talk of all of men's college basketball. We're going to talk about another team that showed an amazing resilience and showed the heart of a champion by going down one season, but breaking it all down and tearing everything down the next season. So come back with us for our final segment for the culture. We're going to talk about that and a little something that happened down the road up 85 North last night. When we get back, it's Jarvis. I'm T. This is ATL Day Ones. It is ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. And we are back. The North Carolina Tar Heels. Defeated the Duke Blue Devils, 81 to 77. And as you can see, uh, Miss T is uh, representing to the T with the North Carolina Tar Heels hat on. Uh, She is holding it down with the the blue on today. And uh, Tanitra, one thing that I can say about, about Hubert Davis as the head coach of North Carolina Tar Heels, I think that 
when you think about the players that he has and and a way and specifically a guy like Caleb Love and the way he played, we all know that guard play is one of those things that is very important when it comes to tournament time. And for them to go out and get a win like they did on Saturday, I just think it just really speaks to how this season has gone for the head coach of the North Carolina Tower Heels. Yeah, and I think that what's really going to be critical, in addition to that backcourt play, what will really set the tone was that big, that that inside play of Baycott really just saying, just denying everything, just double-digit rebounds, you know, 20-plus rebounds. It was just crazy, uh, you know, what he was able to do. And in looking at how Kansas was able to domino, dominate Villanova and really, really start to impose their will as the season or as the tournament has worn on. I do believe that that's going to actually, even though their big play has been excellent as well as their backcourt play, I think that where North Carolina may have the edge, even though they're considered underdogs, is going to be that inside play. I believe if they set the tone and they let their bigs establish the flow and dictate the tempo of that game, I really think that's some place where they can win. Also, they're ready to bang inside. And then if you try to make them pay, they're going to make you pay because they're one of the teams that has the best free throw percentage in the nation. And that's one of the things that as that game wore on, even though it was 78 seconds, I think, to play yeah. and they were still tied or up by one. And yeah. then you start getting into free throws. And then you start making yours and they start missing both of theirs on the Duke side. And all of a sudden, what seems to be a very slim margin and about to take you into regulation, all of a sudden becomes this wide chasm. So I believe if North Carolina could do what they've been able to do, keeping it close and making sure that the bigs dictated in the end, get you some second chance points. I believe they have every opportunity to give Hubert Davis his first championship as a head coach in his very first year. Crazy to think we're talking about that, considering, whoo, Lord, how, how this team looked at the beginning. Of the I had to look away. I had to look away. It was, it was just too much. But, you know, they got themselves together, righted the ship, and uh, hopefully can reset themselves. Like Hubert Davis said, yes, excited to be able to advance in the Final Four over your chief nemesis, but that's not what they came to do. They came to win a title. And hopefully, I believe he's got those guys reset to do just that. And you know what? I absolutely love it. But I know we got a little special treat, you know, at towards the end of the segment that we have to talk about. You were actually in North Carolina and you were up 85. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna finish this out. But right, right before we close out, we're going we're gonna to get into that just a little bit. But I, I think that to just add to what you're saying, I, I think that there is something special about what we've seen. I think like, you know, this is for the culture. This is what, how we get down. This is the type of things that we point out. We're going to point out, you know, um, consistently. And I think that the one thing that just kind of really hit me and is why I brought it to you is because when I think about former players, you know, just overall, all would it be NFL, NBA, you know, uh, major major league baseball, all this stuff. When you think about the opportunities that you know African Americans get to be able to get those opportunities, there is a lot of scrutiny that came with Hubert Davis being hired as a head coach at, at UNC. That I'm sure that you're very familiar with. You know, following as you uh, following this team, and for him to do this in this light, in this manner. And to take out Coach K, 
to give him his final loss as a game, final game as a head coach, his final loss at Cameron Indoor. Yes. So, yes. you know, as well, to be a part of that type of history, I, I think that it just speaks to what former players can do. And I know mm -hmm. a lot of people, well, you're going to make the assumption, well, all right, well, former players should be able to coach. No, that's not necessarily no. the case. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, the stereotype is that, hey, if you are a pretty good player, more than likely you're not going to be a good coach or mm -hmm. you're just not going to get looked at anyway for, for whatever reason. Um, right. Or you're not affiliated with the right coach. But mm -hmm. I think that for Hubert Davis to get himself to this space, I think he's going to open up a lot of doors for former players to be able to get those head coaching opportunities. Yeah. And I think that he opens up the floodgates for former players, especially those who sometimes it is better when you're a solid player, maybe not a great player, because maybe right. you see the full the floor or the field a little bit differently because you it, you know, it wasn't, it didn't come easy for you. For the talent sometimes thing, maybe, yeah. yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. maybe being that role player or someone who really had to fight for that starting position, you can understand the nuances of each person's game, whether they're at the highest level or whether, and, and at the front of the bench or whether they are the 12th person on that bench. And I think Dawn Staley is, now she is one of the few greats who was great at playing and who was great at coaching. Dawn Staley is the That's truth. An I met sure. her, yeah, I met her uh, last summer and I had a chance to speak with her just briefly and just congratulated her, of course, and told her, hey, I know Lady Game Cocks. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I told her, hey, look, I know the Lady Game Cocks are going to come back stronger than ever. I don't doubt that. But more importantly, thank you for what you've done for the culture. Thank you for what you've done for little girls and, and, and Black women and, and just women of color because all of the things that she's done, both that people know about and don't know about, like uh, taking the strings from her championship and mailing out a piece of each string, just as that was done for her, I believe, by C. Vivian Stringer. Yeah. So being able to carry that legacy out and show the importance. And one of those first strings went, by the way, to the Howard University coach. So it wasn't about just going out yeah. there and finding the top line or top name African-American women, female coaches. It was about looking and saying who speaks to you. And that was somebody who had been following Dawn since she was like eight or nine. So right. amazing to see that, but also to teach your, your team about resilience. Because last year, just like almost every year, these last four or five years, they were the favorites and it came down to a shot that was missed. And, yeah. you know, that team had to watch as their top player had memes of her crying and just vilifying her for months and months and months on social media. But she got those girls together. She got her whole squad ready and they have been on mission and they completed, they understood the assignment, they completed the assignment. And now once again, they are champions. So shout out to Dawn Staley for the amazing job that she's been able to do at South Carolina and just continued success to them and understanding the importance of you don't always win it when you're supposed to, like North Carolina a couple years ago against Villanova, but you come back and you get resilient and you win and you move on because you still got a chip. Yeah, kudos, kudos to Don Staley. And and can we can we talk about the swag too? Like just my just, girl. Man, man like the the, the the piece that she had on, that's what I'm gonna call it. My goodness, I just man. Just everything about her is what I yeah. liked. And, and yeah. I think that, you know, to be able to 
be that way and, mm-hmm. and, and be able to have the not only have the you know the ability to coach and then just be able to carry yourself in a certain way that just makes it just it just it just feels like she's just a confident woman and, yes. and she's confident in who she is and, and, and what her capabilities are you know just like she was as a player you know oh, yeah. and, and to be able to be able to do both like you said that is absolutely amazing and I, I think that is that is something that like you said is going to speak to little black girls all over and the reason why it's, it hits home with me because I have two of them you know what I mean so it's and I just I'm I'm happy for what they are able to see or what they're mm-hmm. going to be able to see growing up you know as potential athletes you know one of yes. y'all play sport please like one just one of y'all um, <laughs> so that's kind of where but before we get out of here OT I would love I have to hear about this Charlotte trip right yeah you know, I, um, no, now there are a lot of new edition fans. I'm sure they may that's going to watch this video, and I, I think they would love to hear just a little bit about what went down at that concert. Yeah, it was lose his mind. <laughs> right, it was amazing because literally, Jarvis, for me, it was a last minute decision. I tossed and turned on it. I was like, man, do I feel like driving four hours? you know, what's it going to be like? Do I want to get this ticket in advance? I mean, it was a back and forth to the point where I was like, you know what, when I get up, I'll make up my mind. And that's literally what I did. I was like, okay, I guess I'll go. So I missed it when, when the concert tour came through Atlanta, because of course in Cleveland for all-star weekend to uh, get some time with Trey young and, and get some time with Anthony Edwards. And so it was well worth it, but still in the back of my mind, I was like, dang, I want to see any, because it was all six, and right. we don't get to see all six, meaning... No, and we know why. Right. Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, Mike, Ralph, and Johnny? Like, it doesn't happen. So, got to see all six, and also, Jodeci is originally from Charlotte, born and raised in that area, so I knew they were going to show up, and I've never seen Jodeci in concert, never even thought we'd get the chance to see the whole, all, like, all four, like, Devante and Mr. Dalvin? Oh, okay. So, I was like, that's cool. So, yeah, I drove up, and... um you know, met met some people. You know me. I'll make friends anywhere. Okay. So, yeah, so I met friends and met friends and met friends until I was darn near on the floor for the concert and paid virtually nothing. But hey, that's what it's you know about when you got favor and you're nice to people. Okay, and you smile. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was really cool because I met some really nice people. Some who had traveled up like me from Atlanta to see the concert, and it did not disappoint. You know, this Carolina Blue was all up and through twenty two thousand sold out, not an empty seat in the house, and Jodeci mm-hmm. delivered huge it was just amazing i've seen charlie wilson so many times so i'm just gonna check the box on him and say he was charlie he was uncle charlie i mean that's who he is new addition okay if you know you know how important they are to this culture and i can't say it any better the new kids on the block said it when they opened i believe the american music awards with a collaboration there would be no new kids on the block if it Mm -hmm. was not for new addition there would be no 112 if it was not for New Edition. No uh, Jodeci even came after them. Uh, Boys to Men, I mean, J- Jagged Edge, all of it, all of it comes from they are the core, they are the beginning. And it's so exciting. Velvet Devote, don't forget about them. Exactly. You know, no, no, right. Velvet Devote, you know, completely changed. <laughs> right. And then you look at them and they're like all six, but then they've got pieces that are amazing. Bobby Brown, Ralph Tresvant. Johnny Gill doing solo projects, BBD completely changing the game of hip hop and R&B in the 90s. Things that just 
were never have never been done before and, and haven't been done since. Not the way they do it. Not the way they do it. So to see all those guys come back together and to get their flowers like they are, you know, Walk of Fame, sold out concert in every city, Vegas residency at the end of the year, closing out Essence. I mean, look, I just want to say that I'm excited because we're losing people. We've lost so much and so many in this pandemic that 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 was really a driving force. I didn't want to not. I mean, I've seen all six before. Let me say that many times. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I've traveled to see them like all over the place. But I felt like it was important to see them this time because you never know what might happen. You never know. So I wanted to see all six one more time. And man, Jarvis, I was in there doing every routine Everything, 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 everything. Looking back, like, are they coming back for an encore? Right, right, right. So I wouldn't leave just in case because they, they've done that before. And yeah, you know, kind of shed some tears because I was like, man, they did it for the culture. Like, you know, right, they get right, their flowers. Right. I'm loving it. So yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. And I was so hyped that I was like, well, you know, I'm good enough. So I got a show to do tomorrow. I'll drive back. So I drove back last night. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. nice, and, and that and you know, coming coming back in true renegade fashion, like, hey, hit the road, go and get back to get back to Atlanta, and yeah. we we want to def, definitely want to thank you all for checking out ATL Day Once with Jarvis and Tanitra. Guess what, y'all? I gotta, I'm going to ask. I'm demanding that you <laughs> like and subscribe and give us a good review. You know what I mean on all our audio platforms because yeah. we want every last one of them. We, I, I, I continue to say this. We're on all of all of the audio platforms, so make sure you go check us out there and follow us on those. And uh, coming up tomorrow, we'll definitely be talking about Kansas and North Carolina. Will Hubert Davis and company be able to pull it off? And I'm sure Anitra <laughs> will be wearing her hat if, yeah, <laughs> if North Carolina wins the yeah. championship. Win or lose, but hopefully win. So win or lose, hopefully we win. We hope you win and are winning in life. You are partially because you are watching this show. It's ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanitra. We'll see you tomorrow.